This guy is all about shaving heads and not points. It's the Shave Heads Not Points Podcast with your host, P.J. Davis. Welcome again, everybody, to another episode of Shave Heads Not Points. Uh, P.J. Davis here with my special guest, Dan Fedrosi, all the way up from Minnesota. Did you say Minnesota? No, Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Sorry. Wisconsin. Yeah. So we're uh, we're losing our minds down here, and it's thirty six degrees. What did you say the temperature was up there? What did you say the temperature was up there? Oh, there we go. Okay. Well, we were sitting at about yeah. Sorry, I kind of lost you there for a second, but it's okay. We we barely broke thirty nine today, but we were down in the teens when I woke up this morning. So Ooh. you guys just kind of hanging down there. Yeah, yeah. We're we're not too far off. It's. 36 now, it'll get down to 27 tonight. And, uh, you know, down here when we get okay. one snow yeah. flurry, we cl- we call off school. Um, That's going to be chilly. Do what now? So That's going to be chilly for you guys. Yeah, absolutely. So Dan and I uh, got together through Twitter. I put out a, a just a tweet last week, you know, looking for some guest speakers in – sports and leadership and whatnot. And um, so uh, Dan reached out and said, hey, I'd love to be on it and talk leadership with you. So I said, awesome, thank you. And um, so, Dan, just kind of tell us where you grew up and, and uh, you know, where you played small college football, and then we'll get into that. Yeah, thanks, PJ. First of all, thanks for having me um, on the podcast. You do a nice show. You know, I thank got you. a chance to listen to – good couple of the episodes um just kind of you know getting a feel for how you how you run your episodes and kind of what you talk about you know you do a really nice job you've had some good good conversation on there to be honest oh, i mean i thought it was funny it. earlier you know in, in one of your episodes you talked about you know, this is what everybody's doing you know during <laughs> covid we're all having podcasts and just sitting around talking exactly you had kind of even mentioned a time that you um you know i think hooked up with uh nick banstra if I if I think I'm saying his name right down uh-huh. in Ohio, and he he runs a really nice podcast where he talks about football and uh-huh. does all sorts of things, and that actually kind of got me started a little bit as far as trying to do something uh, with my with my small podcast. But you put on a much more professional uh, episode here, so definitely kudos to you and everything that you're doing. Um, I'm born and raised in the state of Michigan. Grew up there, spent my high school years playing at a really good program, uh, small school, uh, Division Eight in the state of Michigan is the smallest. And I was fortunate to win a Division Eight state championship and go through a really good school, um, was supported obviously by my family and parents and get the opportunity to, um, you know, experience not only just the sports, but being from what I thought was just a fantastic school and having great leaders and teachers and administrators and everybody who really put me in a position where I am from today or where I am today. Um, after that, you know, I love playing the game. Uh, this is actually something I talk about with people that I work with. You know, when you're young, you, you talk about how much I love playing the game. And, you know, that's kind of why you want to go on to play college football. Um, I try to advise people that it's more than just that because college athletics is really, um, it's really a business. Mm-hmm. And I hate to use that word, but it is a business. And it, it's something that I think can scare people as they go through the process. Um, but I loved it and I wanted to play and I, and I wanted to kind of take that next step. And, you know, I didn't have a lot of options. Um, I didn't have a lot of, I was at a really good program. Uh, and I had some good, you know, recruiting advice from my high school coach. And that's really about all it was back then when I was coming out of high school, it's just your coach told you who was interested in you. And 
didn't uh, didn't quite have the height or the speed or the size to go to one of the Mac schools. And um, Division Two at the time was, you know, the GLIAC was it was a lot less, you know, known. It wasn't as well known about as, as I would say it is today. You know, even though I think the championship game may have been been on ESPN two locally in the cities or, or around those communities, people knew about it. But mm-hmm. you know, the reality is, Division two kids that come out of it have kind of raised the uh, the notoriety of Division two athletics. So I didn't have a lot going on, and I was fortunate to have a teammate go on to play at Saginaw Valley State University. And I think he kind of pushed for me when he was in the program the year before me, and got an opportunity to to join onto that uh, that team and really have a great experience at Saginaw Valley. Um, the, the things that I learned there are, you know, and I, I tell people this isn't the greatest thing to say, but I probably learned more on the field than I did in the classroom. Mm-hmm. You know, my wife's also a Saginaw Valley graduate and, you know, she's really uh, bright and intelligent, actually has two degrees from Saginaw Valley. And, you know, I say my wife's the one who really took advantage of the school. And I learned a lot on the field. You know, I learned a lot from my coaches. I learned a lot from um, the guys that I was around, I, I just wanted to keep coaching. So when I finished up my playing career, I just wanted to stay involved in the game. Um, so I started coaching right off the bat. Um, I was doing the internship with the program um, right after you know my final semester. And then as graduation was coming up in the spring of 2006, I was kind of looking at alma mater and that's that's a great thing. That's a fantastic opportunity. But I was actually kind of pushed by my head coach at Saginaw Valley, Randy Ori, to to go to another school, to start working and expanding my network. And and believe it or not, he actually encouraged and pushed me and talked me into going to the rival school across the state that actually ended my career. Um, Grand Valley State University is a phenomenal program that many people in the country might be a little more familiar with. I played against Brian Kelly. Mm-hmm. Um, I coached under Chuck Martin, who's now at Miami of Ohio, and they really, really Grand Valley was one of the stalwarts to raise the level of Division II athletics. And it was actually my coach at Saginaw Valley that encouraged me to take the graduate assistant position over there. So um, in 2006, I started started getting on the coaching carousel. I started getting on the train of, you know, learning as much as I can, seeing what options were out there year by year. Uh, two years later, I spent uh, a season I'm super proud of, but I think it's their, it was the first winning season they'd had, I think, in close to 20 years. And I think it might still be. And, and I know the coach there is, is doing a great job. I really actually commend what, what Hud Jackson is doing at Monticello. But I take a lot of pride in the fact that we had a really good team. We had a good coaching staff. Gwayne Matthews, um, who left a few, few years later, taught me so much about how to coach football. Mm-hmm that it was a heck of a lot more than um, what is on the board, the X's and O's. And he taught me a lot about recruiting and how to work with um, student athletes and how to really push them to be their best. Um, after that, I was fortunate to spend two years at North Dakota state and you know what people here in North Dakota state now they think about, you know, probably one of the premier programs in the country. Um, yeah. I was there before all that. Um, I was there on the coach, the tight ends and, you know, we went three and nine the first year there. No one can ever remember them. I don't know if no. they've lost three games since I left. <laughs> no. They have nine national titles. Yeah. I know that much. Um, and then the next year, my second my second year, we were we were we were having a good season and we kind of snuck into the playoffs. Um, and we lost in the quarterfinals to Eastern Washington and then the, the rest is history. Yeah. After that, um, I was able to get a job at Saginaw Valley State back at my alma mater. Um, had a young child at the time, really needed a full-time gig, spent mm-hmm. eight years there. 
um, it's always so different going back and coaching at your alma mater. Um, it's just, you know, you got to disconnect yourself from being a player. When I took the job, I think I was 20, 28, mm-hmm. maybe 29. I, I wasn't 30. So I was still relatively young. Um, but, but I was learning to disconnect myself from being a player and start to take that, that coaching step. So that was a great experience coaching really good players. Um, we were very successful early, kind of had a little bit of a dip in the middle of our time there. And then we really bounced it back before I took a coordinator position in the league up at Northern Michigan and Marquette um, for a year, learned a lot there. And just recently, these last couple uh, months, uh, just decided to take a step away from coaching, um, kind of right. got out of the coaching game. And me and my wife and our family now live here in Waukesha, just a, a little bit west of Milwaukee and kind of taking the next step in our life and kind of moving in a little bit of a different direction. So it has been, uh, everyone's going through so much with COVID right now. Everyone's got a much more challenging set of circumstances than I do. I'm not going to complain about anything I have uh, to deal with right now, but it's been a little bit of a whirlwind for us kind of just getting readjusted to a new place. So I do feel fortunate. Like I said, there's people out there who are, are dealing with much more challenging things than me. But uh, when I, when I look back at those 15 years and, throw another five on top of it, um, playing, um, it, 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 it went fast. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, and the biggest thing I always took away from it, which was kind of one of the reasons why I started doing a, a smaller podcast. I've only had, a, I only had a few episodes in season one. Mm-hmm. We'll see when I get a chance to get it cranked back up, you know, but leadership is everything yeah. in, in any sport. And it's really everything in, in any avenue of society you want to look at. And I think we're kind of losing it. Um, and I think we're getting a little confused and there's some blurring of the lines that are being created. Yeah. Um, and I think there's a lot of things you, you can point to. So I started a podcast um, when I got here just to kind of, I don't know, maybe open some people's eyes to a little bit different perspective. Um, and it's something that I enjoy doing it. Um, I don't make any money off of it, nor do I intend to, to do that. Some, some people do, and that's fantastic. But, you know, I, I think we've really got to look at where, where we want this you know, not only this country, but this world to go moving forward. And it always starts with leadership. Every great program that I was associated at had unbelievable leadership from the top. And I'll tell this quick little story and then I'll let you kind of jump in. Oh, you're fine. And PJ, if you haven't noticed, I can talk a lot. (laughs) You're fine, man. For 15 years, I can talk. (laughs) And I'll probably be the most serious guest you've had on your podcast too. (laughs) Um, But the reality is when I think back, I was at two programs that won national titles. Actually, I was at three but I was at two programs that won national titles either while I was there or the next year, you know, Grand Valley in 2006, we won the national title. The next mm. year we lost in the semis and then I left. And at North Dakota state, the next season, right after I left, they went on a, an incredible run that they're still on today. Right. And the number one factor between both of those programs that is hard to uh, mimic. People think it's easy, but it's hard to mimic is the leadership and it starts really at the top. And it's mm-hmm. a fundamental approach of who you want to be. Um, and then really everything else just plays off of that. And people think it's easy to do. You just snap your fingers and you do what Alabama's done right. or you do what Ohio State's currently doing or North Dakota State or in the Division Two realm of Northwest Missouri in football or in women's basketball realm in Ashland from a couple of years ago who went on like a four-year undefeated run mm-hmm. or what Connecticut does in women's basketball. People just think it's easy. You know, they think just snap your fingers and do it. And you hear about it all the time on major news media, and it's not that easy. It is a really challenging thing. So I like to talk a little bit about how, you know, not only the challenges of leadership, but mm-hmm. how. Because no one ever talks about the how. They never answer the how. 
And I think coaching college from 15 years gave me some good perspective and some things that I like to talk about when it comes to leadership and really just college athletics in general. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, because <clears throat> I'm a, I'm a co-head track coach as well. And so, you know, I, my first year that uh, the guy that is with me and I took over, <clears throat> he really runs cross country. Um, that's his thing. And, uh, but he and I work well together just as far as the way that we have the program running. Um, but right. you know, when, when it comes to <clears throat> the leadership and wanting to do this or wanting to do that, as far as off the track type stuff, he says, you do whatever you want. He said, I've talked in front of half of this right. team the entire fall for, for cross country. He said, this is, you know, you do your thing for track and, and you and I will just keep working together. And, so the first year I tried, <clears throat> I tried um, a lot of the John Gordon stuff, you know, uh, power of a positive right. team and, and uh, power of positive leadership and things like that. But I think the one thing that always <clears throat> reverts back to kind of who I am is servant leadership, you know, just showing right. others. So, you know, a lot of people call it leading by example, um, but – Right. Just having that servant mentality of what can I do for you? What can I do for you? You know, how can I help you? Um, you know, I, it's the it's almost like the Chick Fil A mentality. I don't know how many Chick Fil A's y'all got up right. there, but um, you know that Chick Fil A mentality of <laughs> we uh, you know we're here to help you. My pleasure. Right. Um, so and and that's what I try to instill into our track athletes and in our football players as well, whether it's just my position group or whether it's uh, just kids that I have good relationships with or whether it's my students. But I'm like, you know, if you want someone to do something for you, especially down the road, it's good to have them knowing in the back of their mind, Hey, I remember this time that this, you know, that this young man or young lady, uh, you know, I, I dropped a stack of papers and they stayed in the hallway to help me pick them up. Or, um, you know, I spilt my coffee and, and, you know, they helped me clean it up. Or um, they just randomly came by and said, hey, you know, I got some extra time in class. Is there something I can do? <clears throat> Those little things, they, they don't understand that it really can go a long way, whether it's a month down the road or a year down the road. Right. I mean, the thing about leadership that I've kind of taken from coaching, I guess, is, you know, probably one of the most um, tough-nosed, hard coaches that I had worked for um, was Chuck Martin when we were at Grand mm -hmm. Valley. He's at Miami of Ohio now. They won the MAC a year ago. And Chuck would challenge you on a, a level unlike anything I've ever seen. Okay, um, I'm talking about the, the players primarily, the coaching staff, a little bit, you know, you're again, I've never worked for coach Saban. You hear about some of those stories mm -hmm. with him and coach Belichick being so difficult on even their coaches. I, I, I've never been a part of that, but coach Martin was so tough on his players. But the thing that I always took away from it was, you know, even though he was super challenging on his players, those kids saw through sometimes the yelling and the screaming because he's just a loud talker, Yeah, but they could see through the yelling and the screaming and hear the message. And I do think right now we're losing that, you know, and it's like what you're seeing in coaching. And again, I'm primarily attached to football because that's what I spend so much doing, but we have become so buzzworthy centric. Right. Okay. And in the two biggest buzzwords that make me um, really concerned 
about where we're going in life is, you know, culture is the first one, you know, oh, and then process is the next one. Yeah. And it's like, okay, as long as I'm a coach, I throw those two words out and I'm doing it right. And it's like, or I, I have the like, perception that I'm doing it right. Right. But that's the thing yep. is people aren't seeing that anymore. They're, they're not <laughs> listening to the message. They're saying, Oh, well, they've got a great culture and yeah. okay, this is where we want to send our son or daughter. Like, wait a minute, hold on. Tell me what the culture is. Yeah. What does that mean? You know, I can't remember if it was off wedding crashes or not, but there's that great scene where I, somebody, Vince Vaughn or somebody says, what does it even mean? And I think about that all the time. Yeah. Like you see stuff on social media and I am an advocate of social media. I'll, I'll cover why I actually think it's, it's a good thing in a minute. Uh-huh. No one ever asks, like, what does that mean? It's like someone sends you a, you know, if you're a high school recruit and you get a graphic and then it says culture is what we, what we are. Mm-hmm. Everyone like shoots that out on Twitter saying this place is rolling. And I'm like, what does that even mean? Like, what is their culture? It's just so easy now to say, we're cult. We have a great culture at this place Yeah. or we are process driven. And I'm always like, what does that mean? Try to dive into it. And I would just like to see so many more people kind of look through um, some of the talk or some of the things that shouldn't bother you and really hear the message because I think that's getting lost. And I, and I always remember this, this is where, this is what I talk about in my podcast as much as I possibly can. I actually, I very rarely blame student athletes Mm -hmm. or young people as much as I can, because I always remember what Frank Martin said, and I'm pretty sure he was at, I can't remember if he was at Kansas State, he was the basketball coach, they made it to the Final Four, and he has got some of those pictures on the internet where he's screaming and yelling, and he is, you know, super in your face, and someone talked to him about how do you deal with kids these days, They're, they seem so different, and he looked at the reporter, he said, the kids don't know anything about anything, it's adults that have changed, and we're like losing this, and it's it's like become so cool now to say like these kids these days yeah you know and if you read enough books and if you do enough research and you dive into history enough i've even went back as far actually a coach that i worked for found off the internet obviously we don't have the book i believe it was plato or some famous person from way way back and he was talking about how the kids in his generation didn't understand enough and he just couldn't you couldn't relate to them. And here we are. I mean, this is, this is a thousand years ago, mm-hmm. probably even longer than that. And you got people talking about kids these days. I'm just so frustrated at times how adults are leading the young people with really misguided information and kind of just partial information sometimes that I think the message is, is got to be given more to adults. And, and, and I use parents, myself included, but adults need more messaging than kids do. They're kids. When I was those, when I was my son's age, I would sit around and play Nintendo 64 for yeah. seven straight hours. And now I get on my daughter if she's on her phone for 30 minutes. But you also got to remember, here's the here's the caveat. Who gave her that phone? You did. She didn't just magically walk into a Verizon store with her big time allowance and pay for that $1,000 phone. I gave it to her when I got an upgrade and I still had that one working. Yeah. It's just funny how adults and people like, like us that are in our generation now have kind of forgotten like we, we are the ones that need to hold these kids accountable. And when they don't do it, it's actually us. And I always remember Frank Martin's uh, statement, I think in the final four, when he took a team there and mm-hmm. I just, it always resonated with me. And so I try to push that with leadership. You know, we can't blame, like I, I deal with high school recruiting. Okay. I've started a business when I got out of coaching to kind of consult people through the recruiting process. 
and I watch these prospects, you know, post these graphics that they get from the colleges. My yeah. Family. Yeah. And people are always like, all these kids care about is the graphics and the jerseys. And I'm like, who's giving them these graphics? Yeah. Who's taking them on these visits and, and putting them in their jerseys to do the photo shoots. It's not the kids on their own. It's not like some prospect, some five-star prospect from down in, you know, West Palm beach going up to visit the Gators says, Hey coach, can I do a photo shoot? And can you guys show me really cool stuff? No, it's already yeah. set up. Right. And it's like, we, it's like, we just don't understand that as a society that it's, we are the ones that have the control as far as how to mold the generation, you know, underneath us. And I think we're kind of losing sight of that. So I try to push that message to anybody that'll listen to me. And I know it's a tough one. No one likes to hear that message. It's easy. It's just so much easier to, to yell at the kids. Yeah, <laughs> no one absolutely. Wants to have the tough conversations yeah and 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 i'm guilty of you know thinking that way as well um hey buddy um and i'm guilty of thinking that way as well i just have to always take a step back and um i guess kind of make sure that i'm seeing it in the right light uh so what is your Actually, let's take a let's take a commercial break. All right, so what is your philosophy around leadership? What is your your base of, of everything that you kind of preach and and believe in? Have a fundamental approach. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone is so all over the place now. You know, it's like okay, if coach Saban says to do this, this is what we're going to do. Like I go to clinics all the time. You know, and I, and like I said, we were talking a little before. I'm not sure if my message is going to be the same as yours. I get kind of a little riled up about this stuff because I go to clinics all the time. And like when I was a college coach, yeah, I would go to the speak at the high school clinics and I would, I would talk to you know coaches and I would sometimes present every once in a while. But then you go down to like the college, you know, clinic, the big one, the big national uh, convention, and people would be giving presentations and they would talk about, sometimes they talk about scheme. That was very little. And then we would all come back and it's like, okay, well, I just, I, I met with a, like our head coach would say, I met with a guy that I know at Baylor and they're doing this. So they won a lot of games last year. So that's what we should be doing. And right. I'd, always, I'd always be like, wait a minute, but who are we? You know, everybody has to have a fundamental understanding of what you want out of your life. You can't try to do everything and be everyone. You know, if you want to be faith driven, then be faith driven. If you want to say, I'm just going to, you know, everything is going to come back to my faith then great. If everything is going to be about money, great. Then you need to understand those steps that it's going to take. If everything wants to be, I want to do it right. Then everything needs to go in that direction. And that's where I think I'll use coaching for a great example. Like, all the college coaches that I know that have moved up, they're doing a fantastic job, but there's certain things you have to do. You have to network. You have to work a ton of camps to meet people. You don't just sit in your, you know, your office all day and watch recruiting film and think this, you know, Urban Meyer is just going to call you. Right. So it's literally about putting a path out in front of you, but it has to start with a fundamental approach. For me, and my fundamental approach may not work for you, PJ, or it may not work for Johnny down the street or Amanda down the street. It's everybody has to understand what do they fundamentally want. Some people, hey, maybe family's not important to you. I'm not encouraging that. I My two children are fantastic. Mm-hmm. Hey, they're going to grow up and be a lot smarter than I am. So I think about my family. I got out of coaching after 15 years, was one step away from being a head coach or well, maybe I was hoping to be at some point I got out of it because this was the best move for the four of us. That doesn't mean my decision is better than yours, PJ, if you don't do that or anybody else. That's the problem right there. 
is we sit here and we see other people, celebrities, people that have made it to a high level. Like, no offense, but if you had a, you know, right now, if you had to take your choice over, you know, Jim Harbaugh or Matt Campbell, who are you taking? Well, today you're probably taking Matt Campbell because he's mm-hmm. done an unbelievable job and Michigan's struggling. Right. But that doesn't mean one person's direction is wrong and one person's direction is right, but we're, we're clouding that. Yeah, And I listen to still a lot of Detroit news uh, media and they talk a lot about Coach Harbaugh and they just let go of the Lions coaches. And they yeah. don't know anything. That's why they got let go. There's a million factors that come into success in business, in athletics, and, and you have to have a fundamental approach of who you are. There's some coaches that just want to coach to coach kids the right and to just show up every day and do a great job and develop young men or young women. Yep. Some coaches want to show up to get the next job. Neither are wrong and neither is better. But in this world that we are currently living in, people are like telling you one way is right and one way is wrong. And I, I'm not a big fan of that. So you, if you have a fundamental approach of what you want to be with you, who you are, excuse me, not what you want to be, who you are with your life, then that can drive you to what you want to be. <clears throat> I get I get that a lot from, uh, you know, my car has Sirius XM in it. So when, when I'm not listening to my, my phone and podcasts and things like that, I'm usually listening to ESPN radio. But in my truck, I don't have a Sirius XM. So pretty much the only thing I listen to in that is the Atlanta sports talk, and that's just right. a bunch of garbage. You know, they one minute they're the biggest Falcons fan, and the next minute, well, the Falcons right. are garbage, and – Nobody knows anything, right. and then the next minute, they pulled off a miracle. They just really knew what they were doing. I'm just like, guys, why, right. do I, why am I wasting my time listening to this You know, this dumpster fire of radio shows? Um, but it all comes down to a fundamental thing of what they are, though. And right. That's where I don't get mad at them. I get mad at people's reactions. The yeah. fundamental element of ESPN, the fundamental element of 97.1 The Ticket or anybody in Atlanta, they're an entertainment business. Right. You know, and, and if you want to be in a, in a, I'll give you a great example. If you want to be in a, an industry of developing young men or women, get in high school sports. That's why I, I have this yep. state championship poster behind me. And the reason I think high school athletics is the greatest level there is, is because 99.9% of the coaches at that level are doing it because they truly 100% just want to develop young men and women. Right. And okay, you know what, if something happens and, you know, some division two coach saunters in and they're looking for a position coach. Maybe I would decide if I wanted to go down that ladder. That's why I just have such a high regard for high school athletics anywhere because they're pushing those kids to understand competition, which needs to start happening in high school. You know, it, it, I think right before you get to high school, things can be a little more even, you know, everybody can play element a little bit. Again, that's a fundamental philosophy I have, but when you get into high school, it's time to play the best player. It's time to learn a little bit about what life is. Yeah. You know, I was listening to one of your earlier podcasts. Joe Rogan has like the number one podcast in the world. Like, yeah, he's better than me. I have <laughs> six customers. He's got 6 million. That's life. Like that's okay to have that difference. So what, what I just, again, I think you, everyone needs to take a step back and say, okay, when I'm looking at something else, what is their fundamental approach? You know, if you're viewing politics or you're viewing whatever, I need to look at what the fundamental approach, and I'm not a Trump supporter or Trump knocker, but nobody wanted to look at what the actual fundamental approach was. They just uh-huh. listened to the way he talked. Right. And that was the only thing I didn't like about these last four years. And especially this last year is, okay, but are we really, are we attacking the man or are we attacking the presidency? And that was something that coach, 
Bowl always used to talk about at North Dakota State. He would say, you know, coach the player, uh-huh. you know, and, and, and understand that you need to evaluate him as a player. The person, though, could be a whole different thing. When he steps off that field, he's not the player anymore. Right. You may have to deal with different issues. And if he's a bad player, you should still treat him just as well as if he was the best player on the team. And those are the fundamental things that I just I get so frustrated with when you look in society. But, boy, how to make that change, Yeah, you know, in some ways you have to get involved, PJ. You have to do – you have to get your word out there because you can't just sit there and yell at the TV and think you're making a difference. So part of the podcast for me in some small little – ripple of the ocean is maybe try to somehow make some some little difference you can't just sit back and whine about things actually try to get involved which is my number one message to adults hey you don't like the way your kids being coached in your high school program go coach yeah show up see what it's like to be in there sunday from noon till midnight yeah and then you're watching film every night instead of sitting there watching bachelorette so that's my number (laughs) one message to people when you want to complain about this or that well dan you're just like everybody else talking about the problem go get involved you know get involved be a coach be an official Go be an official. Oh, Go yeah. be an umpire and see how fun that would be and see how much enjoyment you would have. I bet you'd have a lot different perspective sitting on the other side of it after doing that. There was um, there was a ref last week uh, in Georgia. I don't know him. He's not from the – I don't think he's from the officials association around where we're at. But <clears throat> he was very proud to be uh, officiating in his first playoff game. And so yeah. he tweeted it out, said, you know, I'm so proud to be officiating in my first, you know – at GH, you know, he tagged the Georgia High School Association. Right. And all of a sudden, I looked down because I knew I didn't follow this guy, and he had, you know, 500 likes and 45 retweets. And, you know, it was it was something good because I don't think there's a state in America that doesn't have a referee shortage right now. You know, right. maybe Alaska, maybe Hawaii. Right. <laughs> um, maybe. But, you know, down here in the south where football is, you know, the lowest thing under Jesus Christ and God – uh, right. <laughs> and and biscuits the the referee shortage is drastic. I mean, right. honest honest. This is honest to God truth. We have to in the whole state games have to be shuffled around on Halloween weekend because of Georgia Florida because right. so many refs take off <clears throat> for to go see the Georgia Florida game that. Right. We have to shuffle, and there's some games played on Thursdays and some on Saturdays because refs will have to, uh, you know, referee two games. And so it was good to see somebody, and that's not a knock on the refs. What I'm saying is, you know, we still don't have a surplus even when, you know, guys, right. guys are going out to the Georgia game or Georgia-Florida game, whoever they're pulling for, but we still don't have a surplus. So it was really cool to see that guy get a lot of positive recognition from people on Twitter that he was proud to be officiating in his uh, in his first ever playoff game because right. it's not easy. It's easy to throw a yellow flag. It's easy right. also to yell at the ref. Right. Okay, from a coach's right. perspective or a fan's perspective, but it's hard because I umpired from the time I was uh, sixteen till the time I was about twenty or twenty one. I umpired, and I mean, I had freaking ten year olds jumping on fences. Because I right. called some kid out when he was clearly out, but they thought he was safe, and you know the dad in the in the dugout thought he was safe, and he came out there arguing. This is pitching machine. This isn't even a kid right. pitch. You know, I'm like, bro, <laughs> right. I'm feeding the ball into the machine. This isn't, you know, like I can't right. do anything. Um, right. And uh, so you know, it, I know what those refs are going through, and so that's why right. uh, every Thursday or Friday. I try to 
you know, get a little nudge on the referee and, hey, buddy, how are you, man? Exactly. Uh, how was your week? You know, kind of slide right. in there and and be nice to him a little bit so that maybe when I go, hey, he's holding, he's holding, maybe I'll get a flag, maybe not. I try right. every time. You know, one of the coaches yeah. always jokes with us, you, you didn't get I it mean, that time. No, nope, but I will eventually. Eventually I'll get right. my call. <laughs> I mean, you know, the thing about athletics too, and just, again, I hate to always boil it back to athletics, but it's what I've done for so long. Exactly. Um, well, that's what this podcast it, is about. It's okay. Well, that's what this podcast is about too. It's At the end of the day, people forget what kind of a business. You know, like I said, college athletics is a business, you know, but sports are a business um, anywhere from, you know, the youth all the way up to the professionals. And people, people forget exactly what business sports is. It's a people business, right? You are in the business of people because when you are in, uh, again, I just always keep coming back to football. You're in that football facility. And let's just say you're a head coach. You are responsible for over 110, 120, 130 people, Mm -hmm. not just the players. You are responsible for your staff and your staff has, each coach 20 different issues or challenges or things that they may be going through with their own families you got your players you've got secretaries you've got support staff and i trainers. think trainers talk a little you got trainers that you are ultimately kind of responsible to try to do the, the best that you can to put everybody in the best situation and ultimately you're going to fail hopefully it's not you know failing in a, a drastic or you know someone were to get harmed obviously nobody wants that i don't know anybody that wants that right but leadership is really tough and i think when you're not involved in it you look on the outside and you say to yourself you know oh i could do that you know oh boy coach Harbaugh gets paid 9 million dollars i could lose to penn state it ain't that easy yeah. it, it does not it's it's not that easy and then most of the time the challenge on the leaders is the mental yeah. You know, the mental and emotional toll that it takes on leaders, you know, and, and I was actually part of the staff at North Dakota State our first year. And, you know, our coach Bull took us to a retreat and we had a speaker talk and he talked about, you know, yeah, it's tough on you college coaches and there's a lot of stress. But, do you know, the average lifespan of a CEO at a major company, it was like two years. So yeah. it's like this for everybody. It takes a massive toll on you to be at such a high level to get arrows thrown at you to think, okay, you know, let's use Coach Mason as an example who just got let go at Vanderbilt. Right. Well, Coach Mason may be okay, but what about his recruiting staff who makes maybe they're lucky to make twenty thousand dollars a mm-hmm. year, or his graduate assistants? Are they ever going to move up the ladder where yeah. two years ago they thought they were well on their way to coaching in the SEC? And that takes a toll on them too. Mm-hmm. So being a leader is really challenging because the higher you ascend, the re- the more you realize the more arrows you get thrown at you. Yep. And no offense, you deserve that money. Yeah. You deserve every ounce you get to reach a certain level, and it, that that includes principles superintendents and, and coaches, hopefully you're getting some kind of a stipend to go along with, you know, your teaching, you guys deserve everything that you get and people don't realize how challenging it is. And they just sometimes, again, just to kind of talk about that message that people are missing is, Oh, Oh boy, coach Meyer or coach uh, Harbaugh makes all this money. He should be winning every game. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that in life. Now you can still say, Hey, listen, you need to do your job better. But sometimes the way we have approached you know, just how we view our leaders and what we expect from them. It seems like in the last 10 years, it definitely seems like it's changed. And that message is what I'm super concerned about moving forward for like my children, not for me. You know, my, my direction is already set, you know, I'm 37, you know, I'm out of coaching now. My direction is set. It's Uh my son and my daughter and their friends and their people that they're going to be involved with that. I want to have a little bit clearer understanding of what kind of life is about. I, I think we're losing that message a little bit. Yeah. Um, so, 
what are your who who let me rephrase that who do you think let me take your top coach you know it can be football basketball men's women's uh any sport top coach all right that you think is the the best leader in college sports right now and why and then your top leader outside of sports that could be coming in from the outside as a consultant or something like that, but or it could just be in business. But you know your yeah. your top coach leader and your top uh, outside of sports leader. Yeah, this is something I talk a lot. It's actually going to be easiest to talk about who I think is the top coach. And again, it's going to be attached to football. And uh-huh. It's going to be a little bit of two people, but I'm going to say David Shaw or Pat Fitzgerald. Okay, and I would almost throw Todd Munkin at Army in there because yep. what I think leadership is is it is understanding who you are and putting, you know, whoever you're responsible for in a position to succeed. And now listen, I understand, you know, everyone wants to think that college athletics is even and, you know, they all, everyone's got this and that. And it's not like that. You know, Stanford has major challenges that Coach Shaw is able to overcome. Yeah. Coach Fitzgerald has major challenges that he's able to overcome. Now, I understand that maybe sometimes Army's schedule may not be the same as even a, you know, a Northwestern or maybe even a MAC level program. But what they're able to do, what he's been able to do at that program with Coach Munkin, he would be at the top of my list. Right. Uh, if I was at Vanderbilt, and I know he just let go of a former Stanford coach, but I would do whatever whatever it took to get David Shaw to Stanford or Pat Fitzgerald, I would, I would unload a Brinks truck for both any, any one of those guys, Mm -hmm. because what they do with what they have, you know, when you sit here and kind of talk about, they understand who they are. They know exactly what it's going to take to put their young men in in the position of power. And and, and here's another one. Now it's, she's, she's passed now, but Pat Summit, yeah, you go back and read some of the books and the stories about Pat Summit and what she took Tennessee basketball from at the beginning. You know, they were, this is the greatest story about Pat Summit. This is what makes a great leader. She was playing games in an alternate gym, and her entire goal was to play the games in the, in, in the men's gym. Wow, you know, I did not know again, that. Because, again, when she started, she took over the job. She was super young. Boy, uh-huh. if I remember the book, I think she was only in her – she was really, really young. She took over Tennessee, the, the Tennessee program. And she said, no, we're going to be playing in that stadium yeah. someday. And now, her when, when she was coaching, her teams were dominant, filling the stadium. And at the time, I don't even know how good Tennessee was in, until I think Coach Pearl got there and got them a little bit better, and they were both cheering for each other, which uh-huh. is kind of a cool deal, yeah, absolutely. by the way. But that, to me, is what I think when you think about a great leader, it does not have to – anything to do with where you're at to me it doesn't you know i understand what coach day is doing i understand what coach saban's doing he does a fantastic job at alabama but i would take coach shaw at stanford if i'm you know sheila ford hamp whoever owns the lions yeah <laughs> i'm doing whatever it takes to get david shaw out of stanford you know when you kind of think about people outside of athletics yeah and this is where I, this is where i'm probably going to get chastised for this um i don't I, it might be a little bit recency biased but I think President Trump did a fantastic job leading our country. I really do. Mm-hmm. And here's the here's the reason. Fundamentally, fundamentally, I want someone leading this country to think about America first. Yeah. Okay, and I, there's a lot of discussion about all the, you know, the strife that happened and things that happened this summer. I, I don't know enough about that. Stuff, right. Of but course. I know I saw an, an intention to get jobs back to this country. Did he do a good enough job? I'm not an economist. I don't know. But I think I saw that message. So when I think about leaders in this country or right now outside of athletics, I'm going to throw president Trump in there and I can get chastised for it, you know, and that's fine. This is, this is the country that we live in and I'm not, you know, a huge advocate or a big you know, proponent, 
But what I wanted uh-huh. to see and I want to see out of what, you know, I, I believe is going to be, you know, President-elect Biden, I want him to do the same. Right. Think about America first. And then once we're doing a great job, then we can help others, which I think we should be doing too. We should be helping a lot of other people out in this world and, and everything that we can do to help those that don't have what we have. But that's what I want to see out of our leaders. So so I guess maybe that's recency bias and maybe not going to get you know, a lot of people super fired up. But I really do think he did a great job leading this country in some elements. Some elements he failed, yeah. just like President Obama. failed. I think President Obama was an unbelievable human. And, and, and I think he did a nice job. I was a little young at the time, but he had failures yeah. and he had great successes too. So I, to me, I, I think when I, when I think about, you know, maybe somebody outside of athletics, President Trump will come to mind for me. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, cause with Shaw, I, I love Shaw, I love Stanford. I mean, you know, if I was able to go 22 personnel, 90% of the time, yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> you know, if I had two, six, five, two forty guys at tight end and, uh, right. my, my offensive line averaged about six, five, 300. That'd be great. Right. Um, you know, and if I had two running backs like Christian McCaffrey, I mean, you know, exactly. why would I not line up in 22 personnel the whole time? But, um, you know, that's where Harbaugh came from. And I know that probably is a, is a right. sour grape for a lot of Michigan fans. Um, and I was a huge Harbaugh fan while he was at Stanford, while he was at San Francisco. But then when he, came up to Michigan and the way this goes back to what we were talking about a minute ago, the way that he catered so much to recruits and it was publicized all over ESPN, all over social right. media, you know, the slumber parties and the dancing right. and acting silly and all that just to get recruits. I was like, no, that doesn't right. do it for me. It, that doesn't do it for me personally. There are recruits right. that love that. There are recruits that love to see that, that, you know, love to be catered to like that. Um, but for me personally, as a person, if Jim Harbaugh said, you know, hey, uh, you know, I love your son. You know, we want we want him in Michigan. I'm going to come. Uh, can I come have a slumber party at your house? I'd say, hell no, dude. That's weird. You know, right. there's a there's a Holiday Inn Express right down the road. You can right. go stay at that. But no, you're not staying in my house, sleeping over my. Right. No, heck no. Um, yep. and, and, and that's a good fundamental approach that you should have. And yeah. that's what, again, this is just kind of continue to pile on my beliefs that not enough people would do that. So many people would cower to, Oh, that is so awesome. And just do it. What you just said right there, when that situation comes up, you just have to do it. You have to push through. And what I would say about coach Harbaugh, that's a great, actually, it's a really good topic to kind of talk on about regarding leadership. Yeah. The only thing that's bothered me about coach Harbaugh is he stopped doing that. Yeah. Something happened a couple of years ago and you can see he's not himself. I don't know if he's getting conversations from the top. It I don't know if the is. administration's telling him, you know, kind of cool it with that stuff. I don't know if he is feeling the pressure. I am shocked. He seems like a weird enough guy that he wouldn't. Something happened because if he was still doing that stuff, he would have probably be better off. Might he's be, went yeah. away from fundamentally what he is. Something has happened. And what you just talked about right there is a great message because you should have that fundamental approach. You shouldn't change for coach Harbaugh, you and your son and your family, you should not change for anybody. But when he changed that they have struggled ever since. And I've noticed that for a couple of years and I don't know, I'm not inside of it. I've never coached there. I don't know anybody there. Something happened there. And that's to me, that that's the only thing I'm, I'm disappointed with at the Michigan football program was the, the leadership standpoint, something's changed. So either he's getting a message that he's been told to do something different. And that's where I just think in society, we're losing it. Don't listen to other people, you know, do, do you, you know, I have a, you know, and we, our GAs, when I was coaching Sega, I used to say that all the time. And I actually, you know, it was like the phrase of the, 
of the year, it seemed like in 2015. And the GAs would walk around saying, all right, man, do you. And I was like, I don't even know what that means. But now I get it. Like, be who you are. Exactly. Don't change because of somebody else. Change because fundamentally you think, okay, maybe that isn't what I should be doing. Or, you know what? That didn't work. I'm going to, I'm just going to kind of pivot a little bit. I'm not going to get off of my fundamental approach. I get really worked up about that. And I'm sorry <laughs> to be so serious. I know you have a fun podcast. You talk no, dude, you're stuff, fun. I mean, that's, that's, that that's how I wanted problem. this to go. People, People are catering to the, the what you just said right there. To the kid. If Jim Harbaugh called, called 99% of the people and said they'd do that, and, and, and when they talk to their friends before, they say, no, I'd never know they would end up doing it. Uh-huh. People need to trust your own fundamental beliefs. And we're, it's like we're losing that. It's like we're afraid because you're afraid to lose it. You know, oh, well, what if he then doesn't want to recruit my son? That's the red flag that you would want to see anyways. You know, it's like everyone's afraid to see nowadays those red flags Yeah, because they're so afraid to lose it. You know, they're so afraid to lose something, whether it be my, uh, my son or daughter's scholarship or, you know, hey, listen, losing a job is never good. But if you are a fundamental person that has faith and believes in something, you'll figure something out. Uh-huh. You know, everybody that I know that's been in a tough spot has found their way back through it by doing it right. And I think we're losing that in, in this society. And again, who's to blame? I don't know. It feels a little bit like there's a, you know, a big media you know, presence that is trying to like tell us who we need to be, whether it be in sports, they just tell you coach Saban is the best. They tell you Alabama is the best. You want my guys on I think the best team this year is Notre Dame. And it's not just because I went to a Catholic high school and I played against coach Kelly. I think they look, faster and more physical than I've ever seen. And I do think they're playing as a team, 11 guys at a time better than that. And if Trevor Lawrence played, would they have still beat them? That's obviously debatable, but it's irrelevant. I think they're going to play again. I personally think today, the number one team in the country is Notre Dame hands down. Now, again, if they were to play Alabama tomorrow and Alabama beats them by 60, which very well could happen, then Alabama is the best team. Mm -hmm. And that's to me where people are just kind of, Oh, well, you know, ESPN, you know, uh, Paul Feinbaum told me that uh, Alabama is the best, so they got to be the best. Well, he can have that opinion, and yeah. I'll listen to it, and I'll okay. There's something to consider there. If there was something I didn't know, and it just it gets me so worked up that we as we as adults now stepping into this realm, it's like we're so afraid to believe in who we are yeah. and stick to it. It's kind of the Tebow theory a little bit, and I don't know Tim Tebow. Maybe he wasn't really like that. It was like people attacked him for who we are. And we can't do that in society. I'm sure there's a million other examples of people out there, whether it be celebrities or, or whatnot, you know, the Kardashians, they're who they are. I can't stand them. I can't my either. daughter and my wife watch their shows and they think it's the greatest thing ever. And I'm Ew, like, cool. Gross. I'll just go do something else with my life. That's fine. I'm not going to yeah. argue with you, but I bet you that's who they are. They're yeah. not like me sitting here in their pair of jeans, hanging out there. That's the way they live their life. And that's fine. As long as that's who you are. Absolutely. Uh, well, coach, I appreciate you coming on tonight, man. And, uh, you know, I look forward to it, uh, talking again soon. I'm, I'm sure we will. Your, your podcast is called state of play. It can be found on, uh, on Spotify. So anchor.fm. Yep. So go check that out. State of play, um, on anchor.fm and Spotify. And, uh, your Twitter handle is going to it. At Fedrosi, F-O-D-R-O-C-Y, eleven fifty six is uh, your Twitter handle. Any other way, email, anything, anything like that you want to give out there? Yeah, I mean, you can you can reach me and the company at getaaron.com, G-E-T-A-R-E-N.com, to learn a little bit more about what I do with my professional career and just kind of get some insights, and that will also lead you to all the different 
you know, podcasts. I do have a YouTube channel. It's under my name, Daniel Pedrosi. Um, so I just like talking about this stuff. This is something that I enjoy doing. I spent 15 years recruiting and sitting at homes and I was just this amped and, and energized and excited to talk to people because that's what I really believe in. So if anybody's ever just kind of interested in hearing my thoughts or beliefs about athletics in general, those are the sites you can find us. And PJ, I appreciate it. you do a great job with this podcast. This was a lot of fun and I look forward to following you a lot more. Well, I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much for, for coming on and we'll talk soon. All right. Talk soon.